Amen. Cool. Thank you. I've already preached once today and I've led worship twice. So I'm running on Holy Spirit Pro Plus Red Bull at the moment. And um, so if it goes well tonight, it's glory to him. If it goes badly, it's actually my fault. So I'm really sorry. Um, preached this morning, but wanted to bring a different message. Do you know God is so raising the bar? He won't let us get away with preaching the same thing necessarily to, the, to a different set of people at the moment. And it's like the Rima word, the word in season is different for different groups of people. And so do you know what? It sharpens you. And it causes you to rise up and you've got to hear God twice in the same week. And, um, you know, it's tiring. It's exhausting. And God's going, yes, this is what you're made for. Come on, rise up. Are you willing for it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I am. Come on, God. So um, I want to pick up on what Jackie spoke on last week, which was that God has got a plan for our lives. And, you know, I could start and just finish there. That is good enough. God has got a plan for our lives. That is more exciting than it sounds. It's more adventurous, more faith-filled. It is more scary than we can know. But God has got a plan for our lives. And, you know, it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, doesn't it, that, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper, not to harm, plans to give you hope and a good future. And then it says in Ephesians 2.10, you know, for we are created in Christ Jesus, No, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. What is it? To do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. (coughs) Come on, switch in, Sean, switch in. Yeah, that's good. God has got a plan for your life, whether you're one or 100, whether you're five or 50, whether you're nine or 90. If God is causing you to breathe and to see the next day, God still has things for you to do. You know, my nan, um, my mamgi, as we call her down in South Wales, she's going to be 98 in August. She's naughty. I could tell you stories about my mamgi, but I'm not going to. But you've got to assume that, therefore, if God is keeping her alive, that there is something for her to do. And she is saved. She's a rogue. I don't know where I get it from. Um, but she, she's on this earth for a purpose. And God has got a plan for her life. And sometimes that plan refers to our career. Other times it refers to which country we might live in. It sometimes refers to our relationships, our marriages, our friendships, our family relationships. Sometimes it um, involves our finances and God's plan for our finance. Sometimes it's to do with his ministry plan for our life. But God does have a plan for each one of us. And it's tailor-made, it's bespoke, okay? It is not one size fits all. It's not like a t-shirt you can pick up in Tesco that is gonna fit everybody who's a size 12, 14, 16, or 18, okay? It is individually created. God has spent time formulating it. He has put the most care you can imagine into it. God has got a plan for our lives. We all have hopes and dreams. We all aspire to greater things, whether that's sitting on a beach in Hawaii or whether it's a better job or a better marriage or a better family situation or better finances. We all have hopes and aspirations. That's why, now that it's exam times, my pupils sit their exams and they scribble away for maybe two hours and then at the end, they look out the window and they come up to me at the end and say, Miss, we're just watching those people thinking, 
they're so lucky. They don't have to sit exams. We all dream of a better place. We all have hopes and aspirations. God has got a plan for you and me. And yet, what we so often hear in Christian circles is, I don't know what the plan is. <laughs> Do you think that I've got a dream that comes from God, or is it just me? Do you think, like, he'll let me do the things I really want to do, or do you think he's going to ask me to, like, go and live in Malawi in a hut and never drink fresh water again? Well, who knows? Who knows? <clears throat> Can life really be that good, or is it just a dream? And so what we do is we drift from day to day, because it's very easy to get into a treadmill, isn't it? At the moment, I'm in the season of teaching. And so my September starts with, right, we've got great intentions. We're going to do this, that, and the other. We hit kind of Christmas, and it's like, oh, carol service. And then we hit spring, and it's like, guys, you've got to get your coursework in. We have got to get a wiggle on with this. And then you hit Easter, and it's like showtime. And then after Easter, it's exams, exams, exams. And then it's summer, and then it's flop. And that's what life's like. And so we get on this treadmill and we go day by day and then we go week by week and then we go month by month and year by year and we get on this treadmill and it's like, God, have you really got a plan for my life? Is this it? Am I walking in it? So many of us walk aimlessly through life and I don't mean that as a criticism, but we do. We walk aimlessly through the treadmill of life, never quite entering into the fullness of what God might have planned for us. And you know, this week, just as I was mulling over what Jackie was saying, God sat me down. God sat me down. Has God ever sat you down before? Sit down, sweetheart. We need to, to talk. That's how it starts. <sighs> okay, what are we doing, God? Let's have a chat. We're going to read tonight from Luke 14, if you've got your Bibles. You know, when my, when my mummy and daddy sit me down, and they did on Wednesday night, I saw them on Wednesday, when you get sat down by God, it's time to take notice. So we're going to read from Luke 14, and we're going to read verses 28 to 33. And even the title of this passage should maybe freak us out a little bit, make us feel a little uncomfortable, because it's the cost, the cost of being a disciple. Here we go. It says this, suppose one of you wants to build a tower, or in some versions it says a house. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. That's the cost. Whatever 
dream God has given us, whatever dream God has given you of fulfilling, whatever task he has created in advance for you and I to do, there is always a cost. Some of us maybe need to get a little revelation that our lives are no longer ours to live. When you um, surrender your life to Jesus and you invite him to come into your life and to live in your heart, actually that is game over for your agenda, sweetheart. <laughs> but in the best way possible, it's not God being a control freak, it's God going, do you know what, sweetheart, I love you and I'm going to give you the best life. That's why the Bible says that I've come to give you life and life in all of its fullness, abundant life. Life more adventurous so you could even, even write down and dream about. It's better, okay? But there's always a cost. Our lives are not ours to live. It's not that God has snatched them from us. It's that he's giving us a better life than we could ever imagine. Life in all of its fullness. There's always a price tag. And because some of us lack confidence, and sometimes some of us have very poor self-esteem and self-worth, some of the things that we hope for are just too cheap for God. Our dreams are so small. They're so achievable. And the price tag is so small. We can settle for things that we can afford. But you know, God has a plan. He has a plan for our lives. And it's more costly than perhaps what we're currently paying. We're going to pay a higher cost for what God has for us. But the payoff at the end of it is huge. So, fasten your seatbelts. What will the payoff look like? Let's start with the outcome, shall we? Because we're like that, aren't we? We're like that. We want to know what's in it for us. Well, it might look like salvation. Your God plan might involve you bringing in people into the kingdom. And I pray that that's all of our aspiration, that our lives would be such that we just are like a magnet for God's kingdom, that we just draw people in. It might look like influence, where God puts you in positions of authority or power even. He might put you on a local council or in charge of leading different projects. He might give you influence where you can be his hands and feet and where you can be his mouthpiece. It might look like leadership, where God trusts you with a group of people so you can build them up and encourage them. Not so you can control them or steer them or make anything out of them, but just so you can build them up. God might just be calling you to that. He might be just trusting you with a whole group of people. So it might involve salvation, influence, leadership. But it might also look like poverty. What do you mean? Poverty? Poverty? That doesn't fit. Let me mess with your minds for a minute. Forgive me. You say, God, I want to see people saved. I want to make a difference. I want my life to count. I bet Mother Teresa said exactly the same. Her dream, and this is literally what she wrote as a vision for her life, listen to this, to care for the hungry, the naked, the homeless, the crippled, the blind, 
the lepers, all those people who feel unwanted, unloved, uncared for throughout society, people that have become a burden to the society and are shunned by everyone. The price tag for her, well, giving up the relative comfort of a convent to live amongst the people she served. The price tag was also her greatest payoff. Listen to this. At the time of her death, Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity had over 4,000 sisters. An associated brotherhood, because the men wanted in on everything, well done, of 300 members operating 610 missions in 123 countries. It's staggering. These included hospices and homes for people with HIV and AIDS, leprosy and TB soup kitchens, children's and family counselling programmes, personal helpers, orphanages and schools. The missionaries of charity were also aided by co-workers who in the 1990s numbered over one million. There's always a price tag, but the payoff is immense. Will you pay the price? Will you count the cost? We have to figure out the cost of some of our decisions. You can be prophesied over and you can be given the most amazing God plan for your life. Well, great, I hope you have been. But you need to figure out how much it's going to cost you. God wants us to start strong and God wants us to finish strong. Let's look back at verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? You know, (laughs) this last week, just because of the pressure of work, was one of extremes. It was extreme highs and extreme lows. There didn't seem to be much in the middle. And in the midst of the chaos, God said, sit down, sit down. We all want to run with our dream, don't we? We want to be up there, running, going quickly. And God says, sit down. How many of us know that if we just sat down before we either blurted out what we actually said, or if we'd sat down before we'd made a decision, that the quality of that decision would have been so much better? You don't need to sit down for long. But some of us just need to change our posture. Why? Because once you've sat down, you can test how willing your heart is to pay the cost. Some of you might not know this, but um, on a Sunday night, after we've cleared away here, and we've driven back up into the mountains from whence we came, um, we um, sit down together, the team that kind of come from up in Carnarvon, and we just sit down together. And yes, it does involve bacon butties. But that's the kind of people we are, okay? But we sit down, and you know, we talk. We talk, we say, oh, that went well tonight. Oh, that was shocking, don't do that again. <laughs> or, what happened? Or, oh, that was really good. Oh, we can do that again, and we can do it better. How were the graphics? Oh, oh, they were good. Oh, how was the preaching? Oh, how was the worship? Did it kick in? You know, we sit down and we discuss. We want to do it better for you next Sunday. 
And so we sit down. What does the scripture say in Luke 14, 28? Sit down and estimate. Will he not first sit down and estimate? Figure it out. Estimating is a skill that we all need. If you're building or doing up a house or a tower, as the NIV says, you're probably going to get somebody in, and he's not going to just look at your house and go, it's going to cost that much. He's going to go into your house. He's going to go under the floorboards, and he's going to go and have a look at the roof, and he's going to go through the cupboards, and he's going to go into every nook and cranny so that he can estimate how much it's going to cost. And you know, God is so thorough. God is so thorough. I wonder whether we are. You need to know how much what God is building into the plan of your life is going to cost. I think I told you before that I got saved when I was 14. And um, for whatever reason, even then as a full of it young teenager, you know that phrase, I was young enough to know it all? Yeah, that was me. And I got saved when I was 14, but straight away, I knew that God had two things for my life. The first thing was that I was going to go to Bible college, dream accomplished, uh, praise God. And the second thing was that I wanted to preach and um, grew up in Aberystwyth in a church which was about four or five hundred strong with the most amazing leadership you can ever have hoped for who believed in young people and put them in positions that I wouldn't, you know, dare do without a lot of thought and a lot of prayer, but they trusted us. And so I found myself preaching in front of house groups and it was called Life in the Spirit course at the time. There was no alpha, it was pre-alpha. We all saw in black and white, no. Um, (laughs) Not quite. Anyway, before long, they were opening up the pulpit to me. And you know, there was loads of zeal and zero knowledge. And they still put me there. And then I moved up to Bangor, from the cosmopolitan town of Aberystwyth, I'll have you know, into Bangor. And um, went to different places and, you know, tried to settle in, in a family. And people were like, preaching? No. I was like, really? Okay. They're like, no, 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 you're a girl. We don't do that up here. I was like, that's fine. That, that is okay. I have no problem with anybody having that opinion, and I still don't. But some people really had a problem with it, and they really told me. And it nearly cost me everything. It nearly cost me everything. And yet it was the God dream that kept me going and just knowing somehow that this was what God had called me to. And you know, I can, I can smile about it now. I mean, some people could say the exact same thing to me now and I go, God bless you, I love you, but no. (laughs) And you know, that assurance sometimes grows with age and it sometimes grows with time and experience and you just get to know what God would have you do and it doesn't become hurtful anymore. Somebody could walk in here and scream the most awful things. I go, darling, thank you. I really honor you. But that actually isn't what God's called me to. You know it's going to cost you your God dream. It might cost you hum- humiliation, dignity. It might cost you your emotions. Oh, I shan't get over it. You know? It might cost you everything. 
It literally almost took me within an inch of my life. What will it cost you? What are you willing to pay? You know, stepping into God's plan does come at a price. And just as I was willing to throw in the towel, quite literally, I said, God, stuff it. Those were my words. I said, stuff it. I've had enough. I'm not doing it. Too hurtful. I'm not taking it anymore. And I remember it was a Tuesday evening and I'd thrown down the gauntlet to God. I'd been learning about, you know, if you put out a fleece for God. And you know that story in the Bible? And it's not testing God. It's like looking for a sign. And I said, okay, come on then. Come on by Tuesday night. Come on. Do you know, by Tuesday night, I had 12 invitations to preach. I've never had 12 invitations to preach. I don't preach 12 times a year. Some of them were local, some of them are national, some were back in Abba. And God is so good, isn't he? So when you get to the end of your tether, you can go, all right, hang on a minute. I'm willing to pay the price, but is this the right price to be paying for the right dream? And God will show us. It doesn't cost me the same nowadays. Attitudes have changed. It generally costs me my time, to be honest. I'm a really slow worker. And it takes me about five or six hours to write a preach. It probably doesn't come across. I know, I'm sorry. I've, I've continued to really study. But it also takes me hours during the week just to study and to listen. And Is it worth it? Oh, my goodness, yes. Zeal without knowledge will get a message started, but it won't get it finished. Just like zeal without knowledge will get a dream kicked off, but it won't get it finished. So we need to sit down and we need to estimate what it's going to cost us. God wants us to be thorough in our estimation. Without a proper estimate, the cost will shock you later on. In this life, you don't always get to walk in on somebody else's bill. You might have to have stuff on your own bill that you are willing to pay for too. There are reapers and there are sowers. And you might not always be the one to reap. You might have to sow for someone else to reap. And you might have to sow into somebody else's dream for your dream to come to pass. Luke 14, 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost he has to see if he has enough money to complete it? Sit down. Estimate. See if you've got enough money to complete it. Not just to start it. And... You know, you can think of literal money here. Or you can think, you know, what is in the bank of my life? To preach, you have to study. You have to listen to people, maybe on podcasts. Listen to what, you know, the Lord is saying around the earth. You have to read books. You have to just sit with Jesus. You have to read your Bible. You have to just pray. Do you have enough grace? Do you have enough patience? Do you have enough love for your dream? Do you have enough time? Enough courage? Enough prayer life? What are you willing to pay for? God never said that your destiny would be cheap or free. <laughs> no. But what do you want your life to count for? 
What do you want your future to look like? This isn't some idealistic self-help book that you can pick up in Smith's, okay? This is about finding out, Lord, for what was I created? But listen, 1 Chronicles 21, 24. I will not give to the Lord a sacrifice which costs me nothing. Let's not get to the end of our days and go, that was a cheap life, it's easy. Let's raise the bar. God is raising the bar across the planet at the moment. And that's personal. And it's corporate. I don't want to live a cheap life for God, which costs me nothing. Why? Well, because he bought me at a great cost. It cost him his beloved one and only son, Jesus Christ. What are you willing to pay? I just wonder if we can close by praying. If you wouldn't mind just shutting your eyes for a second. And we're going to have a, a Selah moment. Just a moment to, to think, really. What has God put his finger on tonight that we need to act on? Because it'll be different from one person to the next. What's God pinpointing? believe I'm standing in a room full of dreamers and father just in the quietness of this evening in Bush Alley we just say our lives are not our own anymore we've given them to you so we pray that you'd use us for your kingdom for your purposes that we would be right in the center of your will Father, would you help us to pick up the things that we've put down? And Father, would you help us to see what your plan is for our life? Father, we resolve to sit down and listen, to estimate what the cost is, and then to see with you, Lord God, if this is really what you would have us do. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're involved. You're intimate with us, Lord God. You are the best father we could ever dream of. Father, thank you that life is so exciting with you. Jesus, I pray that whatever has been from you this evening would really stir us up. And whatever hasn't will just fall to the ground. But I thank you, Lord, that you've spoken. Lord, we give you permission to remind us and remind us again, and then another time until we've done what your will is. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Harbour Church, we love you. We believe in you. We think you're the best ever. We'll have a brew together. If you need um, some prayer 
for anything, just grab somebody. They will love to just pray for you and honor you and bless you. Otherwise, there are the best biscuits this side of Europe <laughs> heading our way. Okay, let's just fellowship. Night.